0: Hi, my name is Trip Warman, and in this episode of Simiya VC, I sat down with Gustavo Costa. He's currently regional director for Latin America for Insight-backed Series C FinTech, Coda Payments. He previously worked at Google, LinkedIn, and Microsoft, all in Latin America. We talked about the differences between doing business in Brazil and Spanish-speaking Latin America. We discussed the additional steps needed in doing B2B or B2C selling in emerging markets. We talked about why Latin America isn't as unbanked as you might think in 2022. We discussed all this and more in this episode of Samia VC. Gustavo, could you start by telling the audience a little bit more about your time at Google, LinkedIn, and Microsoft in Latin America, and why you decided to join Coda Payments
1: after? Hey, first of all, nice to meet you. Glad to be here. I started my career working with tech in 2013 at Microsoft, started working with customer support, as I think many of us have done in the past. Since then, I've kind of built my way through sales. I started managing the sales team, or actually the pre-sales team at Microsoft. Took my my way to Google after that, now learning about Google Ads and the whole platform of Google Cloud after a while. Explored a little bit of Latin America and learned more about emerging markets, working on LinkedIn for Sales Navigator, exploring all the, the flavors and nuances of social selling, and three years and a half ago, I started working on Coda Payments, which was a big shift into the kind of companies I was working with, but one of the best decisions I ever took, and here I am.
0: I love it, and could you tell us a little bit more about what Coda Payments is and why specifically you wanted to work there?
1: Sure. So we are a payment provider or payment facilitator for game publishers or apps. So mostly we work with entertainment applications and, and have a really good uh, or strong focus on games. And what we do is to, to support game publishers to monetize their games in to I think right now we are in 62 countries. And we simplified this whole work for them, from legal to finance, marketing, customer support. In Initially, I would say emerging markets, that's where we were born from, but we are now in U.S., in Canada, Europe, and Japan, for example.
0: Taking it back to earlier in your career when you worked for Microsoft, Google, and LinkedIn, how big are the operations of these multinational tech corporations in Latin America? Are these big offices with many divisions or relatively small operations?
1: They do. They do have big offices, of course, smaller than their uh, headquarters, of course, but there's so much focus on Latin America. Usually those those are divided between Brazil and Hispanic and Latin due to language barriers, but all those three companies do have footprints that are focused on Latin America.
0: When you worked for linkedin some of your territory was spanish-speaking latin america so is that common for a brazilian native speaker to be working on a team like that or tell me more about the difference between working in brazil and working in spanish-speaking latin america
1: oh that's a good question so yeah. yeah different from what many think not many brazilian people do speak spanish there's this study that says like less, less, less than three percent they say do you speak spanish like fluently so yeah that's different. of course working on a second language is always different than working on your native language but when you talk about culture is also different depending on the country so there are countries that the culture are kind of similar from brazil let's in mexico or some others like argentina etc but there are others that the culture or the way you talk to the person or who, who you talk with are definitely different and there's different flavors on how you should approach and also how you should close your deals.
0: In your view, how has the Latin American technology ecosystem changed since you started working for Microsoft in 2014?
1: I mean, technology overall, not just Latin America, have changed a lot in the last eight years. We know it, right? We started. I started working with Google with Cloud, the cloud platform from Microsoft. You're just trying to introduce off C three sixty five, uh, Azure, and etc. Right now, companies or many companies are already savvy on technology, on cloud, etc. It's just a matter of understanding which one fits better for them. So I think one part of it is, of course, technology has evolved and have become more accessible for everyone. In the other hand, the companies are more prepared to absorb this technology. Most when we talk about cloud, which is the part I understand best, is, is much more accessible and much more usable.
0: What do you wish American technology executives knew about Brazil and Latin America?
1: I think first thing that everyone should know is that Latin America is not a single place where everyone thinks the same, every economy looks the same, and even speaks the same language. There are really different things happening and, and standards in each country you look at. So what I wish everyone know is that there should be a different strategy for each place, country or in Brazil, for example, which state you're working for or, or trying to enter. And of course, there are some similarities, but the overall strategy should be case by case.
0: What would an American tech sales director not know about being a sales director in an emerging market like Brazil? There, there are
1: differences. And mostly when you get someone outside of this spectrum, they would probably try to go with one size fits it all. The difference I see from emerging markets to development markets is the company readiness to absorb such a methodology or technology We want to implement then talking about sales, right? So we have a great product. But you often see in emerging markets, companies are trying to sell them to, or even customers, if you're a B2C, they do not have the preparedness or readiness to use that or to absorb that. So are some educational steps you need to take first before jumping to, hey, look at this great product I have to, I can support you to go even better. Tell me
0: more about that education piece, especially working for something like LinkedIn, where in the United States everyone's on LinkedIn. Was that the same in Latin America when you were trying to sell Sales Navigator or how is it different because of the, the different market dynamics?
1: Yeah, that's a perfect spot. LinkedIn has their different point of view for LinkedIn. So you have LinkedIn as a as a social platform, right? I think that's a great example. Everyone uses that in US. That's awesome. In Brazil, there's a good part of Brazil uses it. But when you talk about Paraguay or Ecuador or Bolivia, that's not the same. People. People do use that, people sometimes don't. There is still this concept of LinkedIn is there to find jobs, right? Probably you actually you don't see it. You, you do create partnerships, you do create business relations, you do create network. That's what's there for. But that's a process of learning. When you talk about LinkedIn products, more specifically for Sales Navigator, which was a solution I was working for, that's a solution that supports salespeople to reach decision makers and to create connections in the companies he wants to talk with, or even just creating networks for long-term relationships. Talking about that in emerging markets, there are three steps you need to take. First one is people need to use that. So you need to understand what's the power of LinkedIn for for you as a person and for you as a company. When you have people there, decision makers are using it. You have a second step, which is talking about social selling or differentiating, just giving a cold call and say, Hey Trip, I have this great product you need to know and going to, hey Trip, i are serving this project for a university and the product we work for did something similar three years ago and you have this in common. But that's social selling, right? Kind of create connections and find ways to, to create bonds. That's something really important for LinkedIn, not being cold and then you go into selling your products. You know, by the way, I have this that makes the social selling strategy even stronger.
0: How has remote or hybrid work been implemented in Brazil and your workspaces, and
1: where do you see that going in the future? It was quite complicated in the beginning. Many companies, many big companies, would still use desktops into their huge offices, and that's fine. That was how they, they worked. And then suddenly the pandemic hit, and as you may or may not have heard, it's strong in Brazil and most of countries in Latin America. That's when we find no other solution other than going home and working from home. So that was a period in the beginning of 2020. Our, our companies needing to invest into VPNs, into equipments, into leadership style to get people to be able to work from home. Not everyone had the right place to do it or the right equipment to do it, so companies will need to support them. Right now, after this whole complication, the whole hurricane happened. companies are better prepared for that. So now they're deciding if they do want to continue remote, as Coda Payment's doing. I would say we don't have plans to go back to the office, but we don't need to, unless people believe that they prefer to, we don't expect them to need to go back to the office. Right now, people are deciding they want to keep remote, some are coming hybrid and some are deciding to go full, full live work in the office. Good thing about it on remote work is that it made it much easier to recruit good talent. Like in a country like Brazil, we need to hire always in Sao Paulo. Now I have people working from everywhere from Rio, which is quite far away more than you think, from the south of Brazil, I have people working from Italy, I have people working from the Philippines, so it's much easier to operate
0: this way. Tell us a little bit more about the different cities in Brazil with respect to their tech climate. So you said you need to hire in Sao Paulo, you mentioned Rio, and those two cities are about the extent of most Americans' knowledge about Brazilian cities, maybe some other cities where the World Cup was, but tell us a little bit more, where is the tech scene, especially if people were going to be hybrid, they'd have to live in one of these cities, where should investors, if they're going to go on a trip, or executives in the United States, if they're thinking about Brazilian expansion, what cities should they think about and why?
1: It depends. It depends. Like when we talk about tech, tech goes wide, right? You can talk about tech on softwares. You have a lot of startups. You have uh, hardware, so tech, right? So there are different c- cities where you can you can be looking at. I'll definitely pinpoint São Paulo and Rio as still the main important ones, but there are many in the north, many states and cities in the north of Brazil or northeast of Brazil. I wouldn't say there is a hub like São Paulo, but if, it is, if the ventures are looking for good companies or unknown companies, they can find it anywhere. São Paulo, Rio, you have Florianópolis, In the south of Brazil, which is a hub for startups, you see many emerging from there. So it pretty much depends. Shifting back to
0: your career, after time at Microsoft, Google, and LinkedIn, these are big global brands, what made you decide to join a fast-growing startup like Coda?
1: For anyone who works in those big companies, they are great, of course. Everyone wants to work on Google or on LinkedIn, and I won't judge, that's a good experience, of course. At some point of my career, doesn't mean that's true for others. I was looking into being more impactful. When you work in a company this big, it's hard to be highly impactful because your decisions will be more locally, maybe, or you have you don't have that decision power. At Coda, the time I joined it, we were 40, 50, maybe. I was, I was the first employee in America. So pretty much whatever I do would like hugely impact the business here. I think that was the key for me to change. The opportunity to work for a startup that was on like really fast track and a really good record track. It was tough, but a, a, a glad decision.
0: Finally, I must ask Peter Thiel's famous question, but with uniquely Samia VC twist. What truth about Brazil or Latin America do you believe that very few people agree with you on.
1: For a long time, and that was right, there was this discussion on the people in Latin America, being, Latin America being unbanked. I mean, not having banking accounts or not using banking services. During the pandemic, there was two factors During, in the same period of the pandemic, the last two years maybe. First, governments would pay some support to the people to them to survive, if I might call it this way during this hard time where many lost their jobs. To do so, they would pay using a bank account, right? They need like people that were unbanked were usually the people in the poverty spectrum. And those were the ones that needed the support. So they had to open a bank account and automatically have access to bank services. Secondly, there was this new project in Brazil, Mexico, and a few other countries where it would make it easier for people to access banking services because new wallets would emerge, uh, more nail banks would emerge and have access to uh, what previously were information and data that only the big banks would have access to, but there, are, there are not many. Now, many banks could emerge, more people have access to credit cards, to the bank services. So back to your question, what I think that like no many people will agree with me, but I gotta say is that Latin America is much more bankarized or have access to bank accounts than most people think.
0: What a fantastic answer. Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it, Gustavo for being on my podcast, Simia VC. Thank
1: you and that was a great
0: time. Okay, That's it for the Simia VC episode with Gustavo Costa. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast. Go to sinia.bc to learn more or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn.